Jesus' name this morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here. Is this thing on? Okay, very good. Yeah, greetings to you all. God bless each and every one. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. We have heard a lot of good things already. I uh, want to talk about a subject this morning that I feel played out very real here this morning in light of uh, just what we heard. Um, It goes right along with what's on my heart to share. But maybe what I'm trying to say is in light of what was shared, even the song that we just sang, you know, some of the trepidation that you go through as, uh, as you get up here to share. Am I, am I on track? Am I hearing from the Lord? Is it just my thought, my idea? <clears throat> and what we've heard already why, uh, is the confirmation that, that uh, God is speaking to us this morning. God wants to continue to speak to us. So may God have His way in each one of our hearts and each one of our lives. God loves us. He cares for each and every one of us. And uh, one of my burdens is, and I so appreciated the opening, appreciated the children's lesson, uh, going back to the opening, but one of my burdens is and has been probably for the last, I'm not sure, half a year, maybe a year, and maybe especially for the younger, uh, younger Christians, and uh, that maybe put some of the youth in there, I don't know. <clears throat> but I have a burden, and not just for the youth or the young, or the young uh, Christians, but yea, for all of us, that we know our God in a very intimate, real way, this side of eternity. That's one of my burdens. And I so appreciate it, Kenrick's opening there. You know, we can do a lot of things, and I think some of that was brought out even. We can do a lot of things. But are we doing the right thing? We can do a lot of things, but are we doing the right thing? Ron, how did you say that the other Saturday morning? First things? First things? I had... I thought of that ever since that Saturday morning, so God bless you. <sighs> Pretty much keeping God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Larry. First things first. <clears throat> Why is it that we get carried away? <clears throat> Anyways, I'm getting carried away. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to have a prayer and then go into the message. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' precious name, Lord. We worship and we praise you. We thank you that you are our Father in heaven. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you have not left us to ourselves to try to figure this thing out ourselves like we even heard this morning, Lord. God, we come to you and truly want you to show us, truly want to know you will will show us. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, 
the door shall be open. And Lord, we thank you for that word this morning, God. We thank you for your promises, Lord. God, that you don't leave us to ourselves. But why is it so many times that we feel that we are by ourselves? I pray, O oh God, that you would open our eyes this morning, Lord. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and maybe a little bit more, our spiritual eyes this morning, God. And we pray, O oh Father, that if there's any eyes or hearts in here this morning that the God of this world has blinded to the point where they're lost and dead and trespasses in their sins, God, I pray that those eyes would be open to here this morning, Lord. And I pray, God, for us as Your people, Father, where we have been deceived or where we're, where, where we're not seeing it right, God, I pray, help us to see it right, dear God. But Father, at the same time, we have heard a brother here in our midst would have said already, some people try so hard to get it right that they get it wrong. I pray, oh God, help us not to fall into that ditch, Lord. But oh God, have us a heart. Help us to have a heart, God, that wants to know you. That you're real in our lives today. Not when we get to heaven. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God now. Oh God, I pray. Have mercy on us, Lord. We need you this morning, God. I need you, Lord. I pray, Father, for clarity of thought and mind. God, help me to stay on track, on course here this morning, Lord. God, help me, I pray. I need your grace. I need you, Lord. Your word is full. And it's simple like we heard it. But God, so many times, Lord, we make it so complicated. I pray, God, help us. This. Help me this morning not to make it more complicated. Dear God, I pray, Father, we look to you. We cast ourselves upon you, Lord. And I pray that you will bless each and every soul that is here this morning under the sound of my voice, God. And those that are listening in, God, we pray that you would have your way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to James chapter 2 this morning. <clears throat> I like to, uh, James chapter 2, I have been in this, this uh, passage all week and uh, I don't know if I ever had quite a week like I did this week, but it was quite the journey, it was quite the week. But I want to say one thing, we came back, El and I came back from Menden, Ohio, and there was some preaching there that I took to heart, and I can tell you it made a difference for my life this week. You know what it was? I don't have it with me. <clears throat> you know this little thing here? And, it, you know, it, it always, it's, it's also bigger in our house, you know, when we, at the computer. But you know what I chose to do? I came home. And I ask, uh, I forget which one of the children, if they can somehow cut the internet off of this thing. <laughs> they did the, there's two different ones in here. The one is Chrome and the other one is, uh, so uh, I, I, I shut that off, or I think Joshua did it for me. Because we, as for the children, that's what we do or we, for our children, as far as they don't have just free access to the internet. But 
I will say that Chrome is on so I can still go on if I really need to. But the point is this this morning. The point is this, so I don't go on a rabbit trail here. But the point is this. I found myself in the Word of God throughout the day and the conversations that I had with customers. And I could sit, sit here, stand here all day and talk about some of the things we talked about. Laverne, we were at your house and we were talking. Praise the Lord for that time. But anyways, we also had some other conversations. But the point I'm trying to make here, just in short here, is, is I had a good week in the Lord. Why? I chose to cut myself off of the world out there and I chose to focus in on the, on the world that is not seen, the kingdom of God. And brothers and sisters, it makes a difference. So I just wanted to share that, share that little nugget here this morning. Anyways, fate, uh, here in James chapter 2, we have, uh, what do you think of when you think of James chapter 2? Faith and works, right? Faith and works. What comes to your mind when you think faith and works? You think about faith, you think about works, right? <clears throat> so what are the works? What comes to your mind when you think about works? What comes to your mind when you think about works? <clears throat> so I did a little, I was thinking of asking and opening up, but I'm not going to. But I want you just to think. What comes to your mind when you think about faith and works? What do you think about? So I put, I put a phone call in to my brother-in-law back in Pennsylvania, New Enterprise, Pennsylvania. And I think if he ever hears this message, I think he'll be fine with it. Uh, Paul Rissler, he's my uh, brother-in-law who's married to my oldest sister. So we were just talking and, and I said, I have a question for you. When you, uh, when you think of faith and works in, in James, what, what comes to your mind? What do you think he said? And then, I think it was this past week, maybe it was last Sunday, I talked to a local Amishman here and I said, I asked him the same question. I asked him, what comes to your mind when you think of, don't give me a theological quick uh, answer, just, just what, comes to, or, what, what comes to your mind, just off the top of your head, what comes to your mind? And uh, he, had an he had an interesting uh, response. So I'm not going to say what they said. Maybe in the end I will. <laughs> So here we have in the book of James about faith and works. And I want to talk this morning about a faith that works. Do you have a faith that works or do you have faith and works? And, okay, make sure you don't get me wrong there. I believe that what James here is talking about is faith and works. Faith that works. He was coming against Oh, uh, let's see here. What were they called back in, uh, well, they're still around, I guess, or uh, the Anonomianism. Uh, I'm not sure if I say that right, Larry. But those that are, that are without law, you can accept the Lord Jesus. It's all faith and their works don't matter. You know, you don't have to do anything. It's all just a, 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 a head thing. Just a head thing. But... But James and, and uh, Paul don't contradict each other. Let me say that off the, off, the front, off the bat here. They don't contradict each other. Faith and works, we need. They, are, they, are, they go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. I believe the faith 
produces works. I believe, in a sense, the one does come before the other. Faith comes, and then through that, works flow out of that, if you want my simple theology of it. Faith that works. Does your faith work this morning? James chapter 2, I could read it, but I'm not going to. It's a very, uh, we'll probably just end up going through it here, but I'm just going to read a couple things off here. James chapter 2. Uh, we're talking here, uh, James here is talking about true faith, and maybe we should look at the first verse before I read it. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. In Jude, it talks about the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We're to contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Amen? We're to contend for that faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Well, here he says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So, Kenrick, your message about mercy. Can you be a respecter of persons and have mercy at the same time working? No. Anyways, true faith. So we're looking at true faith here this morning. The faith which was once delivered unto the saints. True faith is not a respect of persons. And I'll say the fruit of the respect of person, the fruit of that is Andrew. The fruit of, of being a respect of persons is, is a judge of evil thoughts. Where's that at? It's in the scriptures here. It's in, uh, let's see here, I thought I under, underlined it, but uh, uh, verse 4. Yes, I do have it underlined. Verse 4, the last part. Are you not then partial in yourselves? And there become judges of evil thoughts. That's the fruit of being a respect of persons. Do you have a problem with judge, having evil thoughts about others? About this person or that person or this group or that group or that whatever. <clears throat> True faith fulfills the royal law. True faith shows mercy. True faith clothes the naked. True faith feeds the hungry. True faith has works. True faith believes God. True faith obeys God. True faith receives God's message and messengers. True faith transforms us, justifies us, changes us. True faith does what? It works. Is your faith working? Is my faith working? True faith works. It believes, it obeys, it receives, and it transforms us. It works. Is it working for you and me? Or do we, do we have just enough of faith that makes us tremble like the devils? I probably should have read this account here, but I think we're probably familiar with it enough. Do we have enough of faith that makes us tremble like the devils? They have a faith. Or it says here, let me, I'll just read it. <clears throat> Verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But would thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Faith without works is dead. But would thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? The devils also believe and tremble. 
Can they believe? Or I guess they, they, to a certain extent they believe, but they don't have a saving faith. They don't have the true faith, what we're talking about here this morning, the faith that works. <clears throat> the faith that changes us. They can't be changed. <clears throat> well, I was hoping Susan would be here to uh, help me out. I don't know if she got to come or not, but <clears throat> anyways, let's continue on here. <clears throat> True faith works, praise the Lord, it works. It worked for Abraham, it worked for Rahab the harlot. They were justified because of it. True faith delivers us from being partial. From being a respecter of persons. True faith delivers us. Let's go to Matthew 5, 43 to 48. I, I kind of came up here and uh, maybe a little bit, I felt like a little bit on a high horse. So I'm trying to calm down. And uh, I don't want to, I want God's word to speak here this morning. <clears throat> so Matthew 5, 43, 48. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies and bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and seeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Does that connect with James about being partial? God allows the rain to rain on the just and on the unjust. He doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show, uh, he doesn't just let the rain come on uh, Daryl Beach's corn and the neighbor down the road who's not a believer. The rain, it doesn't rain there. God allows the rain to come on the just and the unjust. He's not partial. He doesn't show favoritism. Remember, we're talking about faith that works. And what comes to your mind when you think about faith and works? I like to read a story now. I had this little track that I think Susan got from uh, Stringtown or somewhere. They have some good, I think that's where it came from, or one of those stores where they, uh, it was about Derek uh, Prince. How many of us know about Derek Prince and what he did back in the Anabaptist days? What about the picture on the wall where a man is pulling someone out of the water? That broke through the ice. You know that picture? Yeah, that's Derek Prince. According, they, they actually have the picture here. Probably can't see it from where you stand, but there he is pulling out his, the one that was trying to catch him. 
I'm just going to break in the story here. What was that? Was the thief catcher so close behind him? I'm going to put on my glasses here. What was that? Was the thief catcher so close behind him? Was he daring the cross too? Derek turned his head and looked back. He heard a splash and a scream. He saw the man go down, kicking into the icy blackness of the water. Thank you, God. Derek breathed from hearing my prayers and delivering me. He turned and broke into a run up that steep slope before him. But it was only for a short distance. He could not go on. Something held him back. Surely, God, he cried, you don't expect me to do that. Once more, Derek saw the dark cell in the gloomy prison. Again, he felt his body being torn on the rack. And this time he felt the heat of the fires at the stake. He felt it licking at his legs. He felt it move up his body, scorching, searing to turn back, was uh, choosing, deliberately choosing that. Could he do it? No, not until he saw something else. What did he see? I saw another fire, an ocean of fire with flames that leap higher and hotter than those kindled at the stake. He saw souls wreathing in that fiery sea. Could he let the struggling soul below go to his eternal fire because he feared the stake? Could he let him go unworn and unprepared? Derek turned toward the ice. As he sped back, he was stripping off his heavy coat. He would not he would need something to help the man out. Derek worked calmly and carefully, but swiftly he spread himself out on the ice and inched his way forward. The thief catcher was clutching the claw edge with his thumb fingers. Derek held one sleeve of the coat. He stretched and threw the other to the man in the water. The man grabbed it frantically. Derek helped the dripping man wring the water from his clothes. He gathered sticks and built a hasty fire to drive warm his shivering companion. Derek no longer thought of escaping. He had work to do. He spoke kindly and tenderly to the thief catcher. He told him of God's love for him and of God's son who died for all. The thief catcher was a hard man, but now he was moved and shaken. From the opposite bank of the river, the burmaster shouted, Catch the man before he escapes. Put chains on him. The thief catcher's uh, lips trembled, but not from the cold. Let him go, he pleaded. He turned and saved my life. When he might have escaped with ease, he is a good man. I don't care what he did, returned the burmaster, growing angry. Remember your oath and catch him. He is an enemy of the Holy Mother Church and must be punished. So Derek Womans was captured and led away. And he was indeed to experience the bitter things he had envisioned. The lonely hours, the endless questioning, and the end, the heat of the stake. But through it all, he knew he could not have done differently. There was peace in his heart and joy in his soul. In a very small way, he felt he was able to show his love to him who gave his life for all and said, Greater love hath no man than this. And a man lay down his life for his friends. <clears throat> Abraham obeyed. It did not make sense. God asked us to obey. God asked us to obey. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And I think of 1 Corinthians there where it talks about the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit. They are spiritually discerned. Maybe turn to it. 
But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. We need God's discernment. We need God's wisdom. And this whole aspect of of, uh, the Sermon on the Mount there, where God asks us to do things that don't seem almost to the natural, they don't seem right. I was talking to a man this past week, and uh, just we were talking, and somehow he had some Bibles laying there, and I, 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 uh, I anyways, we got to talking about actually James chapter two. <clears throat> anyways, as we talked and going going on, why I found out here. Well, he told me later after I talked to him later on the phone, he told me that he is a uh, Marine, I think, or at least he was in the Army. And he said something to the extent, be careful what you say. Um, <clears throat> so I realized that here is a man who was in the Army, and I don't know if he killed anyone or not. But I realized the things that we had talked about, that we were on a different page. We were on a different page. <clears throat> and, and, and as we talked there, even over the phone, we realized that the way he sees it, sees the Scripture, and the way I see the Scripture are not the same. <clears throat> the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. I don't know where that man was, but pretty much what I said when he said, be careful what you say, or that he's a... He was in the Marine or in the Army. Uh, I said, I believe, he was talking about a policeman. Or ta- I was talking about the two different the concepts of the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world and so forth. And then I said, I believe if a policeman is a Christian, that if he has a heart to obey the teaching of Jesus, Kenrick, that he'll, he'll come out of that profession. And he said, really? <sighs> So you can kind of see a little bit where it's at. <clears throat> but he also gave me a book on, uh, on uh, faith and works. So I have that in my possession and reading it. So I'm hoping that we'll have some more dialogue. <clears throat> but I gave him... I've got to be careful here, but I'll, I'll end up just talking about that. <clears throat> but he, he, he tried to help me to see the air of my way in... Uh, or maybe just help me to try to see the difference between forgiveness and pardon. And I know I said this to some of you. And as I read, the, the, then he sent me an email, and I read that, and, and some of the things that were in there, I thought, well, amen, I am right with it. But I felt like till the whole thing was said and done, it left some room for me not to obey the teachings of Jesus, to get around it. Pretty much the bottom line, if I can say it in a nutshell, is if somebody asks you for forgiveness as a Christian, you forgive them. That's forgiveness. If somebody does something wrong to you and they don't come to you and ask for forgiveness, you pardon them. But you can be still maybe a little mad at them. You can be whatever, this and that. You see the catch there? The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. I'm not sure where I wanted to read this other thing here. Maybe it's later. 
Uh, this is another thing I found about uh, as far as being partial. At this point, Christians, Christian love reveals itself. As long as we base our love on the other's response to us, our love is less than Christian love. As long our love reaches only those who we feel deserve our love is not Christian love. If our love helps only those we think are worthy, it is not Christian love. Christian love makes no demands. It only makes the command of the Master to love. It obeys like Abraham. He obeyed God. It obeys. And I think this, you know, just reading this, I think this comes a lot closer home than we know it's wrong to go to war and those type of things. But how is it for you and me? Faith, is our faith working? Faith and works. How is it for you and me? Do we treat some others different than others? Because, you know, we, we, we just, yeah, we just, we just get along well. But what about the ones that maybe, is that in the children's lesson about being a little pokey? Have little thorns, make you feel a little whatever. How do we respond to them? Did you know that if you are not operating in the faith that is from above or the faith that works, you're not going to be able to love that person. You're not, you're, you're going to respond in the natural, right? It's just simply the natural way to do it. So we need something more. We need, we need the faith that works. We need the faith that works. <clears throat> okay, let's go to uh, John 8, 3 to 11. I'd like to read something here. And this goes back to, well... Let's just read it here. John 8, 3 to 11. Familiar account here. John 8, 3 to 11. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should be, be that she. Sh- now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down. And with his fingers wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't know this passage. I was drawn to this passage after Michael preached 
shared there down at the church camp out about uh, um, love covers a multitude of sins. Do you see that love covered sins in here? Or Jesus, let me explain it. <clears throat> so here these men came. Did they really care that the woman was, uh, was an adulterer? They were after Jesus. They were wanting to get him. They were wanting to hang him, if you will. What was his response? How did he respond to the situation? So they came. And what did Jesus do? It says here, Jesus stooped down and with his fingers he wrote on the ground. He stooped down and he wrote on the ground. What did he write there? Maybe a little later I'll, I'll uh, maybe give you a picture. Maybe, maybe. Anyways. <clears throat> it doesn't say, so we don't know. <clears throat> but he stooped on the ground and he wrote on the ground. And then they continued asking him and he lifted up himself and he said unto them, He that is without the first stone, or he that is without sin among you, let him first cast out, first cast a stone at her. So what happened? Did anyone throw a stone? None. They all walked out from the oldest. And I don't know why. I, you know, if you think through that, if you think the, the older, I guess, uh, what do you call it? where, you know, the older you get, the harder people get. But here it says, from the oldest to the youngest, he walked out one by one. And the other interesting thing here is, is what did Jesus do when he was, when they were, uh, they were trying to corner him? He just simply bowed his head and wrote on the ground. Can I do that? Can we do that? And then, when they kept asking him, he just told him, the person that is without sin, let him first cast the first stone. And they walked away. I don't know what happened to those men after that, but I can't imagine that they went home and had a party and they thought, boy, we really, uh, whatever, this or that. I could imagine that they went home to their separate homes and ponder just what happened. What happened? What played out before them? And after they had left, Jesus said to the woman, Where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't know, but I like to think, I like to believe that that woman went home justified, that she went home saved, cleansed. She uh, became uh, a, a, a true believer. And like we read there in, in, in uh, the book of, or the uh, Hebrews, Rahab the harlot, <clears throat> she had faith that works. Faith and works. Mm. Mm. 
But I want to point out one more thing here in this account. Why am I reading this account for? I don't know if you're connecting or not. But do you realize that Jesus was giving opportunity to every single person that was there to have their sins covered, to have their sins forgiven, to have their sins cleansed away? Every single one of them. That's how I want to be. That's how I want to be. Okay, what hinders us from living this way? We want a faith that works. Okay, Kenrick, this is where the carburetor comes in. If my engine doesn't work, my mechanic says it needs a new carburetor. And I put on a muffler, I put on shiny wheels, and would that take care of the problem? What? (laughs) No, that won't take care of it. What do I need to do? I need to change the carburetor and then it will work. If true faith works and it does, could it be that the reason it doesn't work sometimes is because we change the muffler instead of the carburetor? We change the wrong thing. We still end up, our engine, our machine, or our truck, or whatever doesn't work. Brothers, do you like if you have a tractor, if you have a vehicle, or if you have a truck that doesn't work? I shouldn't bring this in, Donnie, but last Sunday we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> we were talking about uh, Jesus. He, he came and was born in a manger, and he was, he was humble, and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And we were talking about this aspect of, can we go overboard and, you know, maybe we should have an older vehicle uh, and, 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 you know, if it breaks down, we go to Pennsylvania, it breaks down every so often. That's not a very reliable vehicle. We want a vehicle that works, right? <laughs> and so we could go on and on in, in, that, in, that, in just that little snapshot there. <clears throat> but I was down in Virginia, <clears throat> down in Virginia, and I was talking to a man there, and he was, he was saying about a, a preacher years ago that he was at some tent meetings and the man was talking about a dunk, or Jesus did not come to Jerusalem on a black donkey. <clears throat> what color do you think the donkey was? Doesn't matter. But Jesus came on a humble animal, if you will. He didn't come riding on a, what is the highest, highest thing that you can ride on these days? Trump in his big jet plane or I don't know, maybe he he's, that doesn't have the highest thing or whatever. I think we get the point. <clears throat> Is our faith work? Is our faith working? <clears throat> Do we change this? Do we change that? <laughs> and then Laverne, <laughs> the cars. Back when I was little, my brother my brother had a he got a car. We were born. I was born in the Timonite Church, same as Elvin was, and we drove a horse and buggy. But my my brother, he left the the Timonite. He went horning, and he got a car, and he got this. Uh, well, he joined the horning Mennonite Church, and they they were they drive black cars, and I think maybe the donkey was there supposed to maybe uh, try to help the people see that 
you know, just a black car in itself doesn't make a person humble. Just because it's this color or that color. Now, I believe if you drive around in a red car and you really want people to see you, then you're not t- getting the message Jesus wrote in on a simple donkey. Uh, but anyway, so Laverne uh, <clears throat> talked about when he and his... When were you born, Laverne? 62 or something? 47. Oh, 47. Okay, then uh, I was born in 68, but you said 64, the cars were jacked down. When I, when my brother had a nice black shiny car, I mean chrome wheels and craggers on the, and they were wide wheels and woo, this thing looked pretty great. <laughs> and I looked at that thing, hmm, someday I'm going to have one like that. Now I remember driving home from a baseball game or something with my friends in the afternoon. And I, and I, this was, I think it was a 1968 Chevy is what he had. I don't know if he did or not, but it had square uh, lights. And the, the, the 70s, I think, had round lights. And so, uh, so I went past, and that was a, it would have had the round lights. But I said, ah, that's, that's a nice car. You know what that man said? Or that my friend, he's still, I think he's actually a preacher in the Joanger Church, Lloyd Zimmerman. I should ask him someday. He just said, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not planning to get a car. Don't, don't, have it, don't do anything to me. <clears throat> so here, as Laura and I were talking, so in his, in his age, the cars were jacked down. In my age, the cars were jacked up. And then I thought last night, and now they're way jacked up. I mean, you need a ladder to get up to the top. <laughs> God help us. We need a faith that works. Do we change this and do we change that? And I don't know, I thought of the carburetor. I didn't think this thing really through it. I, I had all kinds of ideas this past week. And, and uh, if I would say everything I thought of, well, we'd be here all day. <clears throat> but anyway, it's the carburetor. Let's just simply say it's the heart. Somehow, we need to get down to the heart of some of these things. Do I need a heart? You know, do I need something that, uh, whatever. <clears throat> you get the point, I think. I want a faith that works. So I'll explain. Uh, that might seem a little bit whatever. But uh, as we go on here, I'll, I'll, I hope we'll, it all makes sense. <clears throat> Change the muffler instead of the carburetor. It's not working, so we work a little harder. Pray a little harder. Push ourselves a little harder. Struggle a little harder. Still end up failing. What is the problem? We say it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, somebody, some preacher says, change the muffler. Some preacher says, change this, change that. So we try that. It still doesn't work. And the sad part is, when a person is in that state, they struggle with this. They give it all up. They give it all up. But let me tell you, if you're here that, and you are that way this morning, Don't believe the devil's lie. He is a liar. He is a father of lies. And all he's after is is to condemn you like those those men that brought, brought, uh, brought that woman called in adultery. But God has a better plan for every one of us. And He wants us to have a faith that works. We don't have to struggle. Yes, we live in this world and the fight is real, but... 
You know, brothers and sisters, we need to know what it is to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on life so that we can be overcomers. It's all there for us, praise the Lord. We say it doesn't work and end up giving in to a faith. Okay, we end up giving up or almost giving up. Or this is the other side of it. We end up giving in to a faith that doesn't work. Pretty much James, what I think James is, well, maybe a little different side because we know we should do certain things so we, so we shine up our vehicle, if you will. And I'm not throwing any stones here this morning, please, brothers and sisters. I'm not throwing any stones if you're... Uh, all I'm saying is, is I'm using that as an illustration. I don't believe it's good to be sloppy. We grew up in a, in, a, in a place where it seemed like sloppiness was godliness. And I say, no, I don't believe that. <clears throat> but we know when, when uh, uh, particularness goes into another stage that is, 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 is uh, not working the true work of faith. Or it doesn't, uh, faith, that, it doesn't faith that works. <clears throat> Anyways. We say it doesn't work, end up giving in to a faith that doesn't work and keep struggling to not completely give up. If that, is, if, that is your, if that is you, there is hope. We need to ask the master mechanic what is not working. True faith works. Who is the master mechanic? Do we have any mechanics in this room? Are you a mechanic, Andrew? So-so? Well, we need to turn to the master mechanic. So let us ask the master Mechanic, is it, why is it not working? <clears throat> we read in first or Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 10, not to trust in ourselves, but to trust in the living God that raises the dead. That's in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, if I wrote it down right here. We're not to trust in ourselves. Philippians 3, 3 and 4 says, to have no confidence in the flesh, none whatsoever. I should maybe turn there, but maybe we'll do a little bit later here. I like to look at two things. Why maybe it doesn't work. Number one is we cannot trust in ourselves. Number two is we need to let the peace of God rule. Let's turn to Philippians 3, 8 and 10. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection the fellowship of His suffering be made conformable unto His death. That was Paul writing there and his cry there too. Oh, that I may, may be found in Him, that God is real. Paul writing that, he knew God, did he not? But yet he wanted to know Him more. <clears throat> not having mine own righteousness, not trusting in myself, 
which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Christ, the righteousness of which is God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his suffering. <clears throat> we cannot trust in ourselves, but too often we do. We need to trust in God, which raises the dead. <clears throat> We trust in ourselves because we're too busy. We don't, know, we don't have time to pray, to meditate on God's Word, to wait on the Lord. We are too busy. Faith without works is dead. We're trusting in ourselves and we don't have time. We're too busy trusting in ourselves. Did we get that? Did we get that? <clears throat> because we're too busy, we don't have time. That's, a, that's our excuse. We're too busy. We don't have time to pray, to meditate on God's Word, to wait on the Lord. We're too busy. Faith without works is dead. Does that come in there? Does that apply? I think it does. We're trusting in ourselves and we don't have time. We're too busy trusting in ourselves. If we would really believe that, that, that we can't do it ourselves, where would we find ourselves? We would find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. We would find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. But because we don't see how utterly we need God, we end up trusting ourselves in essence. I believe is how it plays out. <clears throat> True faith works. Is this why our faith is not working? Are we trusting in ourselves? We don't need God. We're too busy working for ourselves. And that's a little bit whatever. Kenrick, when you said about Jesus uh, healing on Sundays, he did it maybe to, uh, to get a rise out of him or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I know the heart of Jesus was pure. We know the heart of Jesus was pure. Pure. And uh, I don't know if I, yeah, anyways, we'll let it at that. <clears throat> now, I want to give you a little story. My dear wife is here now about praying, just to maybe kind of cement this thing in our hearts and our minds. Uh, years ago, I made a commitment to the Lord that I'm going to trust Him if I get into a financial bind or whatever, that I'm just simply going to trust Him and believe that He's going to, that He's going to, He's going to somehow take care of it. And the reason I did it, I look back at that and I think, well, was that a selfish thing to do? Was I just after money? I don't think I was. I think my heart was sincere. I read about Hudson Taylor, how he, before he went into wherever, he went into the, the was it India there, in, inland mission there. And he, he did the very same thing, and that's what inspired me. So when I, we moved out to Iowa, why we did the same thing. Anyways, so one day, as I chose, I committed myself to God in that area of my life, and I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Was my faith going to work this time, or was it not? So I, we ended up coming into a situation where the bills were to be paid maybe that day or the next day. I forget where it was. I think the count was on. And I knew I had to have money to pay these bills. <clears throat> And so I, I'm not, I forget exactly how it went. Did I talk to my wife or whatever? I said, I'm going to go out in the little shed that's right back out here right now, interesting enough. Elvin built that shed, brought it over years ago, and I was in that shed praying. I think it was about noontime. I think it was because that's when the mailman goes. Well, maybe not after. I forget what time it was. Anyways, I was there crying out to God. <clears throat>
something came in the door. And it was it was it was a check. It was a check that came through the mail. Faith works. Faith works. When we have faith in God and we believe God, God comes through. That wasn't the only time it happened. That wasn't the only time that happened. <clears throat> well, another thing here is God needs to strip us. And I had, I had this little thought of a boat. And I don't know if I should draw it on here or not. <clears throat> but think of yourself in a boat with two oars. You're in there and you're, 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 you're making this thing look pretty good. <clears throat> And you have all these other things in there with you, your helps and your this and your that, to help you to get up the stream to go to heaven. <clears throat> and you're roaring. <clears throat> and now I give you another picture. I give you another picture of a boat where everything is out, except you're in the boat. And you say, you get down there on your knees and you say, Lord, this boat's going nowhere. I don't know how to do it. Will you come into my boat and help this boat to go upstream and get me to heaven? We need to allow God to strip us and let his power move us upstream. Does your faith work? Why is it not working? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by this the elders obtain a good report. Substance. Faith is a substance. There's something there. I'm not sure I'm going to have to cut things out here. Substance is confidence. It's assurance. Faith makes God real in my situation. He's not a puffball. He is, he is real. He is to be relied on. Substance. I cannot see Him, but He is becoming more and more real in my life. As I depend on Him. As I rely on Him. As I trust Him. Hebrews 12.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He is here. Right now, in this situation, in this terrible situation, He is here. He's being real to me right now. God is here. We sing that song sometimes. How do we get God to come down from heaven into our situation? By faith, if you will. God is always there. God, in a sense, God is all around us. But, but, but if we don't have faith, God is not real in our situation. Faith makes God real. Faith makes God real. Here you have two people. The one doubts and the other one believes there is rest and peace. What makes the difference? The one. Faith in one that is not seen but is here right now. Faith in the one... Anyways, I better say it myself. I don't think I wrote it 
telling quite right. So here we have two people. One doubts and the other one believes. There's maybe a, uh, one that doubts and, and the journey is pretty difficult. Faith believes that God is here right now in this situation, in this moment. God is here. I can trust Him. I can ask Him. If I have a need, I can ask Him, Lord, what should I do? Can God get that real? So somebody asked me, how does God speak to us? Well, that's another, yeah. Well, just, just do what we were talking about here this morning. Instead of trusting yourselves, wait on the Lord. Spend time in His Word. All of a sudden, the Word of God will become alive to you. I have... Uh, I'm sorry, it's taken so long. I don't know if you can see this or not. This is a coffin. This is a grave, and this is resurrection life. It says, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I don't know how else that real faith is going to work unless there is a death unless we die to our own, uh, <clears throat> our own uh, we just give up. We just think we need to die. Why doesn't it work? Because we're trying too hard. What do you mean? I thought we're supposed to try hard. Well, it, it, yes, we are supposed to fight the good fight of faith, but that is on a different foundation. And if you're trying to work, work your way or whatever. <clears throat> I know I've got my uh, papers mixed up here. <clears throat> Why is it not working? Well, the one last point, I said two things. I like to look at two things. We cannot trust in ourselves and we need to let the peace of God rule. We need to let the peace of God rule. Colossians 3.15. The one rule that we need to obey, let the peace of God rule. Not make a rule, but let it rule. The peace of God. Are we, am I letting the peace of God rule? The peace of God. <clears throat> Let the peace of God rule. The one rule that we need to obey is to let the peace of God rule. <clears throat> and then, of course, the question comes to you and me, is the peace of God ruling in my heart? Is the peace of God ruling in your heart this morning? <clears throat> How do we know the peace of God is ruling is another question then because we can deceive ourselves. And I think Daryl talked about as far as the whole thing of riches, how they're so deceptive. And how do we know whether we're deceived or not? How do we know the peace of God is ruling? Is it when everything is just nice and calm? Everything is, you know, Jesus, the storm and everything is nice and peaceful. How do we know when the peace of God is ruling, when there's resistance? When there's resistance, and I thought of the, 
the whole baseball analogy, but I, I don't know that I'm going to go into that. But you and I know that when someone is in front of you or there's resistance, what's happening in here? What's happening in here? Is true faith working? Is there, is, do, 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 do you bow your head like Jesus did and just write on the ground? Or do you, I got something to say to you. Or I, I, No, not that way. We, don't, we wouldn't do that. We're too culture for that. Uh, I have some things to tell you. I guess we can say that as long as the peace of God is ruling in hearts. <laughs> Amen, brother. <clears throat> so when there's resistance, is the peace of God ruling in my heart? So that's one indicator. Another thing is that I want to bring out is when something like that happens and we realize that the peace of God is not ruling, we're out. Talking about baseball. What happens with baseball? If there's three strikes, you're out, right? So the best thing to do is in baseball is to acknowledge that you're out and, and I guess keep going through your turn or however. But in, in, in our Christian life, is our faith working? When there's resistance in the peace of God, we realize something happening here. Something happening here. You know, there's two ways we can do it. There's two things we can do. We can somehow try to come up with reasoning why I am justified to say or to do what I do. Or we can do this. We can die. And when we die, life comes out of that. Peace comes. We don't have anything to fight. The war is over. I guess the person can fight with themselves. <laughs> I think it takes two people to fight, right? <laughs> the war is over. The war is over. I'm sorry it's taking so long here, but... You know what some do? They strike out, but they keep playing. They pretend everything is fine. And they might even, for some reason, the, the, the pitcher throws a ball at them, and they, whoo! And over the fence it goes, and boop, 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 boop. Hey, I made a home run. <clears throat> Did he? Did you? Well, there's a day of counting coming. You know, in the baseball league, wherever they play, the Phillies or whatever, uh, my brother was really into sports. I never was. I don't know why. I just never was, even though I enjoy playing a ball game with uh, when we have homes, the picnic and so forth. <clears throat> but there's a day of reckoning coming, and, and Kenrick read that scripture in Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not made home runs? I mean, we made a lot of points. What do you mean? 
And some are going to hear the words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness. You realize in the sports or wherever they play, the Phillies, when they play baseball, they need to play according to the rules. And so do we in the Christian life, we need to play according to the rules. Is the peace of God ruling in my heart? Do I, am I discerning? Am I alert enough to realize? Is my conscience awake enough? These, these men uh, that Jesus, that when He spoke, there was a conviction there. And brothers and sisters, I feel the day that we live in, conviction is missing. It's barely, what, what's going on? Is it because we as Christians are living so, so far away from God that when we speak, when Jesus spoke, what happened? There was conviction. And I long to see, to be able to talk to people where you see the, the conviction of God not because of me or anything like that, but where the conviction of God crawls or falls on a person and they, and they cry out to God, Lord, have mercy on me. Save me. Are you here this morning? Are you playing? But you're out. But you're out. Am I here this morning? Am I... Am I playing, but I'm out. <clears throat> you know, in Matthew 25, it's interesting there about the sheep and the goats, the ones that were in and the ones that were out. What it says there about feeding the hungry and so forth. And, and, and now finishing off, uh, I almost forgot, but it comes to me now. So what did Paul Rissler say when I said, what is faith and works? What, what, what is the work? He said, it's love. It's love. I was like, well, I think you're right. I think you're right. Can you be partial and have the true love of God coming out of your heart? You can't. You can't. And so I ask another person, and unfortunately, unfortunately, he, he said it's something else. And I'm not going to go into that this morning. He said it's something else. So, hopefully we can talk some more. So I just encouraged him to read James chapter 2 again. And see what it says there. Get the context. The context, well, after I read it, it's kind of like, well, I was always looking at it the other way. I know it's in there. But you start with the beginning and read through the whole thing. And, uh, yeah. I want to bring out one more thing here about playing in the game. As long as you stay in the game and play according to the rules, you will make it home, heaven, even if you strike out at times. So if you're here this morning and think you struck out, there's mercy. Praise God, there's mercy. There's forgiveness. The blood of Jesus is still flowing today. Praise God. But you know what? If you get out of the game and say, I'm done, I'm done. That's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be. But as long as you stay in the game, 
and allow the, 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 the ump. Who is the umpire? The Holy Spirit. When He says you're out, you, you, you agree with Him and you say, yes, thank you for showing me. And really, to make it, I don't know, illustrations always break down. Maybe you're learning to get to first base. You strike out so many times. But you're still in the game. You're learning to get to first base. Maybe you're here and you're, you're learning how to get to second base. Maybe the best of us are making it, learning how to get to third base. But neither one of us is home yet. Who's going to be the last batter up? As long as we stay in the game, brothers and sisters, and we play according to the rules, Jesus is going to get up to bat. And we're all going to go home because we played according to the rules of the game. Praise God. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that encouraging? I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. This was hard. I'm not condemning anyone. But I want a faith that works. And let's not fool ourselves. Maybe like one preacher said, we need to attend our own funeral. And then we need to let Jesus bury us, if you will. We need to go into the grave and stay there. And as we stay there, something beautiful starts happening. What happens to a, a corn kernel that falls into the ground and dies? There's something beautiful that happens. It happens every year, Daryl. You see many, 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 many corn stalks come up. I don't know if you actually see them burst out, but you see the life in them. What happens? Something beautiful comes out. Resurrection life. It's life. It's a life that is from the Son of God. He that believeth on me as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. You can't work that out. You can't get that from Adam. You can only get it from the Lord Jesus with a faith that works. Is your faith working this morning? Do you have peace in your heart this morning? No condemnation. Let us be real. Let us be real. If the peace of God is not ruling, we are out. And it's not working. Know the truth and the truth will set you free.
like I said, I, uh, I don't know. Larry, I'll, I'll let it up to you. I think that's how I'm going to do it. But as God was working on my heart this past week, I was thinking, Lord, if you can actually speak this through me this morning. What was I thinking? I was thinking of an altar call. But you know, we don't have to have an altar call here. But let us, let us be real. Let us be real. That's my plea. That's my cry. And uh, so God bless each and every one of you. I want to see us all on that base, one base or the other. And I want to see Jesus step up to that plate and bat that ball. And we all get home. Mm-hmm.